we are in a series right now called Follow. And the thought behind this series is that we are following Jesus Christ. And the Bible uses the term disciple. The word disciple simply means a follower. And that's exactly what we are supposed to be, is followers of Jesus Christ. In the past weeks, we've talked about the fact that what does it look like to be a follower? A follower knows truth. And thank God, because as a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't just have to hope I know truth. The Bible says that these things have a written unto you, that you may know that you have eternal life. Then last week, we looked at the fact that a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ will be hungry, will be spiritually hungry. The Bible says that we will hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then this morning, we're going to be looking at the privilege that it is to know God. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we actually have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And in the ups and in the downs of life, whether you feel close to God or you are feeling far from Him, it is a fact, not just a feeling, that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you are secure in that relationship. The Scripture talks about the fact that we are secure, and the Bible says that no man will be able to pluck Him out of my hand. The Bible says that His love has taken our sins and put them in the deepest part of the ocean. The fact that we can know the creator of the universe is an incredible privilege. When Jesus was with his disciples, nearing the end of his time on earth, in just days and sometimes hours before his crucifixion, we see in the book of John, if you have your Bibles open to the book of John, we'll be in John chapter 14 for the, the vast majority of the message today. And John 14, 15, and 16 gives us some incredible truth from the Word of God that gives us encouragement. Because the disciples, although they were manly men, they still had fear. And as manly or as womanly as you are, we still have fear. And as John said earlier, he said that the opposite of faith is fear. And these disciples were suffering from fear. Because Jesus had just told them, I am going to leave you. And they went, no, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not going to leave us. We cannot do this by ourselves. And you ever had the sinking feeling when you've got bad news? You can't can't fake it, but you remember it. You go, that sinking feeling in your stomach when you've received news that is bad news or news that you think, how am I going to do that? Jesus assures his disciples in John 14, verse number 1. In the end of chapter 13, he tells them, I'm going to leave you. The beginning of chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. One of the most beautiful sounds now that it's past. When I had infants and when I had toddlers, it was tiring and a lot of work. But now I look back on it, uh, you know, 10 years later, it's like, oh, isn't that, weren't they just wonderful days? Don't worry, those of you who have toddlers, the pain will just lessen in time. And you, you have fond memories about these days in the future. But I remember my kids calling out when they would get hurt, Dad! 
that with the top of their voices and you come as a big hero and you take care of them and they give you... I still get hugs from all of them. And you get hugs. Oh, the big hero dad is there. About 10 years ago, I was sitting on a bed using a very, very sharp pocket knife to do something dumb. And I was cutting away, and I slipped, and I cut my finger, my index finger here, very, very deep. In fact, 10 years later, it's still numb beside it. I called out, do not call out Dad. I called out, Tammy! Now, if you don't know, Tammy's my wife. And I called out Tammy, and you know what's amazing is? I call Tammy's name all the time, and she ignores me. But I called out Tammy, and she came running, and literally blood was like all over the bed blanket. It was I had to go dry clean it. It was gross. I said, later on, when I was you know a little better and less faint, I said, "Tammy, you've never run like that before." She goes, "Yes, but you've never cried out like that before." And there's a, something about the desperation of crying out, "God, I need you. God, I cannot do this on my own." And some of you are in a place possibly right now when you are sitting in, right where you are and saying, God, I need you where I am right now. And if you're not feeling like that, you probably will in the very near future feel that you desperately need God because you cannot do this on your own. God's called you to do something or has been lost in your life. There's uncertainty in the future. Maybe it's your employment. Maybe it's relationally. And you go, God, I cannot do this. Let's go back and see what Jesus told his own disciples when he gave them some of the worst news of their lives. I'm going to leave you. In John 14, verses 16 through 18, Jesus gives them the assurance of sending the Holy Spirit to earth. And he says in verse number 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within, with you and will be with you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's a fact, not always just a feeling, that God is with us. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit is inside of you. He is not leaving you by yourself. And this morning's principle, and every single Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our lives. And this Sunday, it's a very, very simple one. A follower of Jesus will know God. And that rolls off my tongue really easily. But you stop and think for a moment, the creator of the universe who knows the beginning from the end, he knows the intricacies. The Bible just says to help us understand how much he knows about us. He even knows the hairs on our head. He knows your very thoughts. He knows the good and the bad of you and not just of you, for everyone in the world. And the smallest intricate thing, if you've ever seen videos and incredible documentaries where they go into microscopic down to your blood cells and see all that's happening within your blood cells and realize that God is in the control of all of that, it gives me a great deal of assurance. But how can you and I know God? There's three things. There's three points that we're going to walk through very, very quickly this morning. First of all, we know God because of the Word of God. Second is because of the works of God. And third is 
the will of God. And we find this all by simply outlining John chapter 14 in a a few different verses. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this assurance passage that Jesus gave his disciples and seek to apply it to our lives. Because you will need this, whether you need it now, but you will need this in the future. It says this in verse number 1, John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Verse number 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, now Philip is one of his disciples, one of his close followers. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't, do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Can you say, show us the Father? Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. It's kind of a tongue twister back and forth, but Jesus is assuring them, God the Father, he's in me. I'm doing the works of the Father. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. In verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whether you ask in my name, this will be, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This morning, we're going to walk through these three points, and I want this to be an encouragement to you, the fact that we can know God. As a follower of Jesus, We will know God, first of all, because of the Word of God. People traveled across the oceans using maps like that on the screen. Can you imagine looking at a map and going, I'm going to sail halfway around the world from England all the way to this unknown New Holland area of this Western Australia, now we know it as. Can you imagine the faith that it took to follow. By simply looking at the charts, following the navigation, people circumnavigated the the entire earth using maps. God has given us the road map for our lives, the Bible. He's given us a tool to use so that we'll know the direction we're supposed to be going. In John 14, verse 10, it says, Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And he says this, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. As a follower of Jesus Christ, when I speak, as a pastor, when I speak, I don't try to speak my own words. In fact, one of the greatest fears that I personally have as a pastor is that I will tell you something that is not biblically correct. It's an absolute fear of mine. So therefore, everything that we say, we try to go straight back to the Bible. It's not my opinion, it's the authority. And Jesus did a similar thing. Even though he is God, and he was God at that time, he said that I speak on the authority of my Father. We call ourselves, as as a Southwest Baptist Church, our goal is to help you become followers of Jesus Christ. The term I often use is we 
Help you become who God created you to be, not who the church wants you to be or who I want you to be. It's who God created you to be. And therefore, we go straight back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? And if the Bible says it, we will carry it out. We will seek to do it. If the Bible doesn't say to do it, we won't do it. And that's incredibly liberating because we don't have to worry about pleasing so many various things. We just go straight back to the source, to the map of our lives. And this map is a, the Bible calls itself a living word. In Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and active. When I was a young teenager, I came to a realization that wasn't particularly profound, but it was for me. At my IQ level, it was incredibly profound. The profound thing was, huh, the same Bible and the same God that my grandfather served and the same Bible that he read is the same Bible that I read today. I know it's not, not particularly profound. You go like, duh. But you think about it, the same God who loved people thousands of years ago is the same God that loves you, who will love your children, who will love your great-great-great-grandchildren if God uh, allows to see fit the world to last that long. It's the same God. It's a living word. It says it's active. And it's also it's active in our lives. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul of the spirit, of joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It goes straight down. Now, to be honest with you, I am by no means a warrior. I know that my body, my body doesn't say that, but yes, I'm not a warrior. From my understanding of a two-edged sword, one of the benefits of a two-edged sword in the ancient times in battle was that you didn't just have to go down one way. You can go down one way and then come back the other. It can hit you on coming to you and hit you coming back. And the Bible is very similar. It gets you coming and gets you going. It gets you and hits you in the, exactly where you need to be touched. The powerful word of God because it's a living word. But it's also not just about hurting you and make you feel bad. In fact, guilt is a horrible motivator. We also have the fact that it's a loving word. The most famous verse in the Bible, a verse that I'm going to challenge you to memorize if you yet to memorize John 3.16. And as you memorize it, I want to challenge you to personalize it. Put your own name in there. For God so loved the world, put your own name in that verse and begin to realize that God didn't just love the world, which he does. He also loves you. He loves you as an individual. And the word of God is how we can know for assurance that we are a follower of Jesus Christ. But not only as the word of God, a follower of Jesus Christ knows God because of the works of God. 400 B.C., a man named Plato, who is very well respected in our society, who I don't believe was in any way a follower of Jesus Christ or a follower of God. 400 B.C. said this about knowing the creator God of the universe. To find out the father and maker of all of this universe is a hard task. And when we have found him, to speak of him to all men is impossible. I propose to you that's absolutely incorrect. Thank God that is totally incorrect. Because the very next verse that we were to read in verse number 11 says this. Believe me that I am in the Father. 
talking about the Father, the Creator of the universe. The Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. God has done incredible works. You begin looking around in our creation, and I love nature documentaries. My kids, they roll their eyes, but I love them because you learn about the intricacies of life and it gives you a greater appreciation for the things that you see when you have greater understanding about God's creation. And you look at it and you go, wow. And that's just creation. And as you look at your own body and, and the fact that what God has done in, in you, you think, that is amazing. My brain says move and it's moving. It's, it's amazing. And it works. We have an incredible God and the works of God are often represented in the scriptures by names. In ancient times, names were very specific. You were known and the name that was given to you was often given to you because of a circumstance that was around your birth or something as, as a prophecy about who you were. There was a man who in, is recorded in, in 1 Samuel chapter number 4 whose his birth was surrounded by a bunch of death. The Philistines had come in and conquered Israel. They had taken the Ark of the Covenant, which is a representation of God on earth at that time, and they had taken that. In, in, and then also this young boy, his father and his uncle and his grandfather had all died. And when he was giving birth, his mother died in birth. And the last thing the Bible records of her before she died was to say, call him Ichabod. Which doesn't really mean a whole lot to you and I, but it means the glory has departed from Israel. You imagine your entire life carrying around, yes, what a beautiful name, Ichabod. The glory has departed. You carry that around as a title. There's another man named Jabez. Now, some of you, as mothers, not fathers, but mothers, when you were giving birth, you probably could relate to Jabez. Because Jabez means born in pain. Basically, he walked around for his entire life because he caused his mother a whole lot of pain in childbirth. And so she named him, You Hurt Me A Lot. And that was a name that he carried around. There was another man who, in a positive, I use two negatives, let's use a positive, the name Isaac. When Abraham and Sarah had their son, they named him Isaac, which means laughter, or God has made me to laugh. And throughout the scriptures, we see names given to God to help us understand some of the attributes of God. And to help us understand who he is in more than just a distant God, you know, God out there, but he's relational. And there's dozens upon, in fact, hundreds of names of God. There's names of Jesus and names for the Holy Spirit to help us put into our mind who this God is. And I have just a few of them today that I want to encourage you with. And God says to us, this is who I am. He says, I am Abba, your loving Father. He says in Romans 8, you receive the spirit of adoption as sons by, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And verse 16 goes on and says, we are children of God. Now that's a real relational term. It's dad. It's, it's a man that's there for me, even when people on earth, even if your own father failed you, your heavenly father will never fail you. He says that I'm your loving father. 
God says, I am El Dia. And El Dia, the word El, the beginning part of that means God. And the second part of that means the explanation. The God who knows everything. Now, that's pretty incredible. If God's your loving Father and He's also the God who knows everything, and in Romans 11, 33-36, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. How inscrutable His ways. And inscrutable has the understanding or the, the meaning of, I don't understand them. They're just too big for me. Verse 34 for who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. We have the attribute of God, the omniscience, the all-knowingness. He knows the, be- the past, the present, and he knows the future. We also have the, the attribute Jehovah Rapha. And the Jehovah Rapha means the God who heals. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, there was some, this is during the account of when the children of Israel were walking through out of Egypt to the promised land, and they came across some water that was bitter. And God healed that water and cleansed that water and made it beautiful and fresh water. And they used the term to describe God as the healer. At Jehovah Rapha. And he says, I am the Lord, your healer. There's another word, is the word El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. God Almighty, in, in Genesis 17, verse 1, it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty. If God is your Father, and he knows everything, and he's the healer, and he truly is God Almighty. That changes the way that we look at God, and that's just scratching the surface of the many, many, many names of God that helps us understand him. But I want to make this personal today. Valerie Keefe is not in the service today. She is here today, but she's upstairs with the children, helping teach the, the children their, their Bible lesson today. And I asked Valerie's permission. And I know many of you have been through ups and downs and there's, there's health issues and problems that you go through, but I asked particularly Valerie's permission to share very briefly her story. Because on Thursday, she's going to have major back surgery again for the second time in about eight months' time. And she's going to have some, some nerves in the middle of her back cut. And the, the prognosis is it should work well but it's going to be excruciatingly painful. Now, to be honest with you, I don't mind pain as much as the anticipation of pain is almost as bad. I want to be able to pray for Valerie, as you do as well, and we're going to pray for her in just a a moment's time. And I pray for many of you in a very similar fashion when you share prayer requests and you fill out your connection card with a prayer request or you email or text us. And I want to make this personal, this God, because of His works, I can know God because He is our Father. He's the one who knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the healer. He's the God Almighty. And as you pray for people, and as you you even pray for yourself, use these terminologies and use these because they go straight back to the Bible and what the Bible says of who God is. Let's pray together for Valerie, and then we'll continue on in the message. Lord, we 
thank you for, for being our Father, being our Dad, and being, a, being the God Almighty. Lord, I want to bring before you our sister in Christ, Valerie, and our Lord, I thank you for her love for you. I thank you that she knows you as her Savior and the faith that she's placed upon you, not just for her salvation, but for her daily life. And Lord, as she, be, she goes in for surgery this week, Lord, we are trusting for you to be the healer. We're trusting that you already know the beginning from the end, Lord, and you'll put your hand upon her, that you will guide and bless the doctors. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given them and the, and the, the wonderful care that she will receive. Lord, I pray that your hand will be on them, that you will relieve her of any unnecessary pain, and Lord, ultimately that you will do something miraculous in her life because we know that you are the, the God the Creator, Lord, and we know that you want the very best for us. And Lord, I pray that as we go, that we won't soon forget that lesson for ourselves, that we'll be able to pray this for ourselves. And in Jesus' name, amen. You must make it personal. If I really am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I can know him because of his word, and I can know him because of his works, I can also know that God has a will for my life, a plan for my life. A little commercial break for next Sunday's message. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about as a follower of Jesus Christ, we can live life with confidence moving forward because he has a will. In verses 12 through 14, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Because he's going to be sending down the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this is not Jesus saying, I am a genie in the bottle. Ask me your three wishes, I'll grant them. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, in my name. If you're asking the will of the Father in Jesus' name, you will be answered. There's certain prayers that God, I believe, desperately wants to answer. And when we do that, we have faith in Him. And we, when we pray the will of the Father, we actually express faith in God. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, it gives the account of asking and it will be done to you. And it gives the illustration of the fact that it's a lesser to greater. If God loves a sparrow, how much more will he love you? If, God, if a if normal everyday father will take care of his family, how much more so will the loving heavenly father take care of you? And God is always at work around us. I find that incredibly encouraging. It's not like us having to get God going and wake him up. It's God's already at work. It's up to you and to me. And here's the key. To join God in his work. It's not God joining us in my work. It's us joining God in his work. And it's a very different, it's a change in perspective. Because when we pray, we pray to God. We pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that guides us. Later on in that passage, Jesus teaches on the Holy Spirit and it says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He will convict you where you need to be convicted. He will show you, and the, the Bible says that the 
Word of God will become enlightened to you through the Holy Spirit. So we pray to God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. But who gives you authority to talk to God the Creator? be honest with you, as good as you are, it is not your goodness. It is Jesus Christ. And simply, when we pray, we pray through Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives you authority. And so, as a matter of a bit of tradition, when I pray, I pray, dear, you know, I sometimes say, Heavenly Father, or God, will you please? And then allow the Holy Spirit to work. And the end of my prayer, to remind myself of whose authority I pray in, it's not like an abracadabra word at the end of a prayer. That's not what we're talking about. When I pray at the end of my prayer, I say, and in Jesus' name, amen. To remind myself constantly of whose authority I'm coming to God in. It's not my authority, it's Jesus Christ. And when we pray to God through the power of the Holy Spirit in the authority of Jesus, Jesus himself says, I will do it. You ever thought, that you are an answer to somebody's prayer. Years ago, before this church was started, people were praying for you without even knowing you. They were praying for that someday this church that's going to be starting in this place called Bunbury. My wife and I had lived in the U.S. for many years. She's from the U.S., but I had moved there for college and worked in a church, and that church had commissioned us and sent us back to Australia to start a church somewhere. And we told them we're going to start a church in Bunbury. And people in Winter Haven, Florida, a place that you've never been to, probably never heard of before, have already been praying for you for years. And I believe that when we pray to God in the power of the Spirit, in the authority of Jesus, He will do it. And you look around today and think to yourself, I am an answer to someone's prayer. And maybe you can nudge your spouse and go, look at me, see, I am. I'm an answer to prayer. As a way of application this morning, I want you just to think through in your mind. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have the Word of God. That means I want to get into the Word of God. I want to read the Word of God. I want to hunger and thirst for the Word of God. I want to experience and know personally the works of God. I don't want to live on your faith I want to live on my own faith, and I want to experience those works for myself and see how God has worked in my life personally. And also, I don't want to do it on my own authority. I only want to do it in the will of God. Now, these disciples that Jesus was speaking to, they still had to go through a whole lot of difficulty. They had to go through being hurt. They had to go through being beaten. Every single one of the disciples in that group, bar one, were actually martyred or killed for their faith. The other one was stuck on an island until we passed away. Every single one of them had to go through difficult times. But they weren't alone. And they never were alone for one moment of one day because God had said, through Jesus, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. So I have three questions for you this morning as a way of conclusion. First of all, it's a very important question, and it's one we don't want to discount. The first is, can you truly say that you know God? Have you placed your trust upon Jesus Christ as your Savior? The Bible says that we're to repent, 
For to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, matter of factly, you will be saved. So can you truly say that you know God? Because that's what God wants from you today. The second is, what are some areas in your life that you know God has worked? Something I find personally encouraging is when I look back on difficult times and re- recognize when God did his work in my life back here, then I'm pretty sure he's going to do his work in my life today. What has God done? And begin to recognize them. There's an old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And the third question is, what is an area of your life that you can ask God to work? Is there an area in your life that maybe you're holding on to that you need to release to God today and say, God, I'm a follower of you. I want your will to be done in my life. And I believe those are sort of prayers that God desperately wants to answer. And he will answer. And you will see the growth and the change in your life as a result. Let's pray together. And as I pray, I want you to think through those questions and maybe commit your life to saying, I'm going to be different I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement that we find in Scripture. The encouragement from the very words of Jesus himself to his disciples and ultimately to us today. Lord, I pray that we won't just go through the motions of another Sunday, but today will be a day that we apply your word to our lives so we can be different and be the people you created us to be. And in Jesus' name, amen.